0: Uh, Good morning again and welcome to Redstone Church. If this is your first time here gathered with us, uh, please feel welcomed and those types of things. Uh, This is the time where we would normally... Release Camp Redstone, but we're going to change up our orders of service just a little bit because we think it was uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get our families, our family units, more and more and more engaged, as well as our kids more and more and more engaged inside of our worship service. So, what we've done is um, instead of uh, dismissing them to the classes right away, uh, we've kept our kindergartners all the way through fifth graders inside kind of the worship portion or the singing portion of our worship service and that has been pretty intentional. Well, we wanted to add two more elements uh, before we released uh, the kids uh, to go to their classes to learn. I think today is about Malachi. And so this is, uh, so we want to continue to pad this section of, of the service before we release because we want to kind of model our words and what and we want to welcome them into as much of our worship service as, as at all possible. And so what we've done is we've bumped our ministry moment, our missions moment up front as well as our giving moment, before, you know, before we uh, release those kids, because we wanted um, our kids. You know, they're starting to grow and they're starting to mature, and we wanted them to hear. More and more and more testimonies of what God is doing around the world, right, and in the life of our church, which is great. And then also, we wanted to start to display or model or even allow our kids, you know, an, an opportunity to begin giving back to the Lord. And so that's why we've moved the ministry moment and the giving section uh, before uh, the sermon uh, and before we we let the kids go because again, we wanted them to be a part of the service. So uh, typically we do uh, an interview kind of style to kind of introduce this. So I'm going to introduce uh, Jerry Williams. You all know him. Uh, you've seen him around. He is the elder, but he's also the pastor of Community Life. And uh, I came and this is going to be a really weird interview if I'm up there. Yes, that's better. It's about spatial awareness for me. Yes, I Hi, Jerry. Hey. You're wearing pink and I'm wearing blue. And your point is... I think you look better in your blues than okay. I do in my pink. Okay. It's my Easter pink. I think you look good. Yeah, I'm, I'm rejecting fall. That's all we have for you. Okay, all right, <laughs> let's pray. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually talk about your bulletin, all right? And we're going to try to replace this piece of paper or the name for this piece of paper from bulletin into worship guide, all right? So everyone say worship guide. Worship guide. See, that's a little more cumbersome, but, you know, that's what it is. All right, so we're going to actually talk you or walk you through what this is and then what it is becoming.
1: All right, Jerry Williams, what it is and what it's becoming. So right now, typically here's what happens. We use the bulletin, which is now the worship guide on Sunday mornings, and we sing our songs. And then when we're finished with the service, typically what do we do with it? We leave it for
0: someone else to clean up.
1: We either throw it away or Or, we put it on our chair, right? So here's what we're wanting to do. And this has um, a two-pronged approach to it. Number one, okay, if you're a family, if you're a parent, right, and you've got little kids and you're like, I really know that I am supposed to disciple my kids and my wife or, you know, whatever, and I don't know exactly how to go about doing that. Well, here's a starting place for you. So we take the Word of God that we see on Sunday mornings. It's right here. We make our notes. We circle things. We pay attention to that. And then during the week, we go back over these things with our kids. Like, we ought to probably sing every once in a while, right? I don't really know anything but Amazing Grace off the top of my head. Well, here's some songs for us. We can kind of learn them together, right? Here's a place for prayer requests. We can have you know kids like write down pre requests that are in their classroom or neighbors or you know an aunt that's really struggling right now or whatever and we can pray together as a family and then on the back side we actually have a place for us to think about what we heard on Sunday morning and to ask some more penetrating questions. So the first part of this, this is to be able to use it as a tool, put it in your Bible at the end of the service, take it home and pull it back out on a regular basis and use it as a guide uh, for just growing in the Lord and growing your family in the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay, give me a yeah. nod on that one. Okay, then good. So here's the second thing that we're doing. So the percentage is like 86, Spencer will probably make fun of me, 864 people that's a very specific number of the people who say this is my church right I attend here on a regular basis or they are a member those people are in a community group so one of the things that we're doing a little bit different this year is this right we're still doing a sermon reflection because we've always done that in our groups not always but we've done that for the past year but what's different is we're being real intentional saying Uh, Spencer preaches the Word of God today, right? We hear the Word of God. It brings conviction to our soul. We're writing some things down. We're making some notes. And then typically, we'll go to the next week and hear a different sermon. And we're saying, no, 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 no. We want to stay there. We want to allow this Word of God to marinate in our hearts and our minds so that when we step into group, we're ready for a discussion. So what's different this year is, you'll see it on the back, and we had, I had like a poll of how many different words would you say? There like, was a lot. Yeah. There was like 10 different um, titles, discipleship guide, community discipleship guide, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we had one chosen, and then at the end of the day, Spencer and I made an executive decision. We were like, let's just call it homework. And do you know why we called it Homework. Because all the phrases that we came up with wouldn't fit on one line. They were just—they
0: too long. So that's how decisions are made around here. It's like, well, how about homework?
1: We're wordy people, and we're wordy people with our written words as well. So it's homework. So it's like, oh, okay, you're okay with that, right? So most people look at homework as a negative. We're going to flip that and make it a positive. We want you to celebrate homework from this point forward in your life, right? So homework is you take this and you look at it, and there's three things. You're going to look at you know, your own story. Why am I looking back at my story? Because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God's always working in your life, but even when you were... Um, an eight-year-old or when you were a middle schooler or a high schooler or some of you a a college student, you know The Lord was preparing you and was growing you and it's good to look back and see how the message today in Mark chapter 2 Is impact is has impacted you even in the past? So you're going to look back and then you're going to dig in deeper um, To the passage that you're going to hear today and it's going to there's gonna be some questions there for you to think through and then Well, what do you do with that? Who cares, right? No, we care because the Lord is always calling us into something. The word we use is mobilization, right? It's application. What do we do with what we've learned? How do we apply it? And that's what that third section is for. So we want people that are in the community groups to take this guide and to go over and spend probably 20 to 30 minutes thinking through the answers to these questions so that when we step into community group, we're ready for a discussion. We're not all just kind of looking at the guy, the leader saying, okay, what do you got for us this week? No, we're ready. Okay, let's start with question number one. Who wants to share first? So that's where we're going and that's what we're doing with the guide.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so this is no longer a bulletin. What's it called? A worship guide, very, very good. And because a bulletin is good in time and space, right? It it has a a, a tool, it's for here. But we want to expand that and actually turn this into an artifact that will be good for you, be good for your families, you know, be good for your spiritual walk. So again, use this as a way to not just um, hear from 10 to 1130 or, you know, give or take, but it'll actually just go to Monday or Tuesday and actually impact uh, your week. And so um, this is our ministry moment, right? But we're actually going to glue our ministry moment and our giving together, right? We want to glue it as one section because we want in our hearts for us to realize is that ministry is taking place, All right? Things are going forward and going out and expanding. And we want to praise God for that. And then we also want to see how we want to be involved in that ministry. And so part of that involvement involves our giving of ourselves and giving of our resources and being our hearts being pricked so that we find ourselves being mobilized more and more and more. And so that's why we want to glue these two things together. And so that's why we'll pray right now for our giving moment just to create some space for you to say, Lord, how am I to give back to you in this moment? So let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, thank you so much um, for your word. And thank you so much for songs. We know that both of these things are very, very important to you. And uh, Jesus, um, I pray that uh, your word and these songs will stop being a Sunday morning thing and will be an everyday thing. Where we will see your word lasting into Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and that we just can't get these applications out of uh, application questions out of our hearts and our minds. But also these songs, I pray that they just find ourselves find these tunes and these words and, and these choruses just in our hearts, so that wherever we are, whether we're driving down the road or um, just uh, just uh, quietly meditating, that these songs come out of our hearts. And so we're so grateful for that. Now, Lord, as we walk into giving, I pray that uh, we continue to see um, giving as a way to continue to propel ministry forward. I pray that as a church that we uh, take this moment very seriously and that we are humbled by the fact that these resources are gathered. I pray that they're just not stagnant or just sitting still or, or, or being misused, but instead being mobilized for your, your ministry to move forward. And in it's in your name we pray amen. So these guys are going to pass the baskets and so feel free to participate in any way that you want. So, um, parents, uh, this is where you're in charge of us. Uh, but if you have already checked in your kids to Camp Redstone and uh, they're uh, ages uh, four, uh, kindergarten somewhere in there, all the way to fourth or fifth grade, and you desire for them to go to class, uh, in the back uh, there are some uh, ladies wearing Camp Redstone badges in the back. Mister Cole's back there, and so go ahead, kiddos, y'all can, y'all can go to class. So yeah, go ahead, look at them, look at them go. So today I think you're learning about Malachi, I think. Yep. Hey, Malachi. I knew it was a minor prophet and I got lucky. I like that half the room just emptied. It's like, yeah. The next generation, y'all. Isn't that great? Great commission. Walks in the front door every single week. It's, it really is a remarkable thing. We, we thank God for that. Um, very good. All right, so we are walking through Mark, the gospel of Mark. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We're going to be in chapter 2. Uh, so far, uh, we have been really pounding the drum on what it means for you to kind of reset your mind. Uh, so, this week we kind of floated a graphic with a big brain for you to r- begin to think about what you think about and to begin to think about some of the toxic. Thinking, some kind of mental exercises that you spend throughout your day. Uh, Some of those thinkings can be destructive and toxic. And uh, what chapter 8 of Mark tells us is that we need to reset our minds away from the things of this earth. Away away from the things of man. And then shift all of our thinking onto the things of God. And so that's what we're doing. We're just holding this balance pretty pretty tightly. What are we thinking about what do I what does an idle mind sound like in your head? Where do your thoughts go? Are you taking those thoughts captive? And if they are fleeing or getting away from you, oftentimes our imagination and those kinds of things start diverting toward the things of this world rather than the things of God. And the scriptures tell us to set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things of this earth. So that's what chapter, oh, this is what kind of the exercise that we're going through in uh, Mark chapter, uh, or the whole, uh, whole gospel of Mark. And so now we find ourselves in Mark chapter 2, We are going slowly. We don't want to apologize for that. I don't know if we're going to pick up speed at this point because we've spent four uh, four, uh, weeks now and we're only in chapter 2. That's okay. But here we find ourselves in chapter 2 and we're asking the question, who's Jesus? Over and over and over so that we can start to think about Jesus in proper ways. And so in chapter 2, we see him as our healer. All right, This is who he is. Um, he's been all kinds of things uh, through the first chapter of Mark. But here we see him as our healer. And uh, we're going to just kind of focus on that word as how can Jesus or how does Jesus heal us? So let's read it together. If you've got your worship guide, not your bulletin. Um Get your worship guide out. Uh, If you're like me, I doodle. And so that's kind of, if you don't want to scar up your Bible, you can scar up, you know, this sheet of paper and draw on it, circle, um, underline things, those kinds of things. So this is Mark chapter 2, verse 1 and following. And when he had returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there there was no more room, not even at the door, And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.' Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who could forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving the spirit uh, that, uh, that they th- uh, thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier for you to say to the paralytic, your, sons are, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take your bed and walk? jesus is our healer in this passage we're going to look a little bit about physical healing that's important we're going to talk about spiritual healing because that's even more importantly and then if we have some time we'll actually call, to call uh, walk into kind of some emotional health and what it means to just have our minds race a little bit and have jesus kind of walk into even just our, our emotional health and those kinds of things but jesus is our healer here and this is quite the moment isn't it uh, I don't know how many of you grew up in the church or grew up in kind of a Sunday school model. And you had like Mrs. Flannery, right, with white hair and the bob or whatever and the flannel board. But if you grew up in a moment like this, this was your type of story. Because you had Jesus in a house with lots of people, right? And Jesus was just doing his thing. He was pointing and he was teaching and it was great. And this created all kinds of conflict, right? Because there were so many people in the house. I wish I wish had a because there were so many people in the house, there were these people that couldn't get to Jesus. Oh, no! Because there were people that wanted to get to Jesus. So, particularly, there was this paralytic, and he had four friends, and his four friends came to, to the crowd, and they set out that day before daybreak. You know, that's not in the scripture, but before the day even broke, they got, gather, gathered up their stuff, they gathered up their friends, and they walked toward Jesus. And what did they find? They found a big crowd. They found a first obstacle that they really could not get to Jesus. The crowd wouldn't let them get to Jesus. But not dissuaded, these four boys or these four men, they would not be stopped. There's no crowd. right? And so instead of being polite Southerners, all right, we know that these, these people are not Southerners. right? Because if we're all at Dollywood... Right, And there's a big crowd. We just say, excuse me, please. Excuse me, pardon me. I'm just going to come through. I got somebody back here in a wheelchair. Let's go. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Pardon me. right. They just, they didn't say, excuse me, for whatever reason. I guess the place was packed. I guess they just knew that there was no way to penetrate this crowd. And so with all logical reasons, these four men, instead of just going home, which they could have done, said, excuse me, excuse me, please, to get to Jesus. They did the logical thing that every person on the planet would do. They'd go up to the roof, right, and tear up somebody's junk. All right, that's exactly what happened. And so somehow, way, these four guys find themselves on top of a roof, and they're digging a hole in somebody's home that was not their own, all to get their friend to Jesus. I mean, can you imagine tearing a hole in someone's roof that you didn't know, that you've never been there before? You're just ripping things up. It's like going to a 4th of July party, right, and setting off the, the fireworks inside, right? Like, who would do that? You would never be invited back ever again. It would look cool. It'd sound amazing, right? But you would be kicked out of someone's house if you were to do that. Plus, the insurance claim would be very interesting. Um, because, I mean, what would you do? I mean, what do, you, what do you say? I don't know who these people are. They just started setting off bombs in my house. And so this is kind of the context, is that people had gathered, this crowd had gathered to see Jesus and to listen to Jesus. And this is what had happened. But there's something different about these four men and the paralytic They're a little bit different than the crowds in which had gathered. You see, what crowds gather when you think about a UT football game, right, or a Taylor Swift concert, we go, right, to be entertained. We go to be a part of the ambiance. We go to listen or we go to hear. These four men, and get this point, They were different from the crowds because they wanted more than just to hear Jesus' words. They wanted to take their friend to Jesus. And that's very, very different. When you want to be with Jesus, not just to hear about him, right? To be close to Jesus, to close the proximity gap. To value Jesus more than even his words alone. You know something's different. So in my Bible I have these, these, these uh, phrases circled or underlined. Then in verse 2, And they came bringing to him. The point of their journey was not just to hear Jesus teach. It was to take their friend to Jesus. And later on it says, And they, um, and they could not get near him. Twice. Personal pronouns. You need, to, you need to understand them and read them. Because of the crowd. So they removed the roof above him. This whole story is rotating and orbiting around the person of Jesus more than just Jesus' teaching or wowing or being in awe. They really wanted to take this person to Jesus. So for you and me, I think it's good for us to examine a moment like this, to make it really, really, really personal for you and, you and me. Is because there's a big difference between the things that we think we need and the things that we really, really need. I'll say it again. There's a big difference between what we think we need and what we really need. There's nothing wrong with the effort of these, these four guys. There's no there's nothing wrong with a paralytic wanting to be healed. But there's a big difference. And when Jesus looks at the paralytic, when Jesus looks at the friends, there's a big difference between why they showed up and why Jesus and how Jesus released them back into society. So the difference between what we think we need and the things that we need are very, very different. So there's this man who has been carried to Jesus. All right. And he was going to be healed of his paralysis. And yet, this man needed so much more, didn't he? This is often the case with you and me. Is that when we approach Jesus, right? And when we go, right? We want the world just to look a little bit differently than it does currently. And so in our worlds, in our lives, there are all kinds of paralysis, there are things in our lives that do not work that are literally numb. So paralysis is just your the inability to walk or to move appropriately. And so this man, he his world, I mean, was was just defined by the fact that he could not move himself forward. And that's what he wanted more than anything else in this life in his life. That he wanted the stuff of his life or he wanted something to work better than it already did and so for you and me we need to look at the world or we need to look at our relationships and we need to define really carefully and, 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 and carefully the stuff that is not working in your life the stuff that's numb the paralysis in our lives because in that moment where something's broken or something doesn't work we have a chance of stepping over a line and thinking that that thing is the, the very definition of your whole life. So for this guy, he lived in a world where everyone else walked and he didn't. He lived in a, in a, in a world where everyone looked or he was able to watch kids play or fathers play chase with their kids and he could not. His World. I mean, truly, his world was, was about watching people skip and jump and do things to be ambulatory, and he was unable to do that. So everything was defined by what, what he could not do. And so if we're not careful, the things that are broken in our lives actually become the things that define our lives. And we have to be really, really careful of the things that we want fixed because we are running a, a big risk at that. Because in our hearts of hearts, we say, if I had that, or if that thing was mended, or if that thing was healed, or if that thing, if I could feel that again, then everything would be okay. This morning is important for you to think about what that is in your life person, that relationship, that job, that thing, your health, whatever that is that is broken. What do you want fixed? What's broken and not working properly? What if, what if, what is the thing that if you grant, you were granted the wish for that thing to be healed, what would it be? What would make life easier and make you free? And here's what this is why Jesus is more than a miracle worker and why Jesus is more than just a really good preacher. He knows that that thing if given to you will not will not pay the dividends that it promises. Give it 1 week. Give it 2 months. Give it 3 years. Whatever the time is, If you get that thing or that thing is healed or that broken thing is put together or that relationship is given back to you, just give it some time and it will falter and it will not pay what it says that it would pay. There are artists who have tried to make it and have done so and still been lacking. There are people in the sports world that have given their entire lives to make it and they have, some of them. And it's still lacking. There are entrepreneurs, small business owners that have tried, that worked their fingers to the bone to make it. And they have, and it's still lacking. There are moms that have given their entire lives for their kids only to be disappointed by the de- decisions that they make. Whatever that is, we just need to be careful about that. Because at some point, all of us may get the very thing that we want. And the things that we want may turn on us and not give us what we think. In the scriptures, you know, these are saviors. These are messiahs. These are things that we look to. Our toys, our careers, our relationship. These are the things that we are putting weight into. And if you look back at the very first verse of chapter of, of Mark of, of, of Mark, it says, In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Savior. If we look to anything other than Jesus, that thing or that person will become our functional savior, and we will be in 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 great need. And so those are the things that we think we need. Jesus knows the things that we really need, right? And this is why the scriptures are so powerful to us. And so he comes, he returns to to Capernaum for some days and it was reported that he was at home and there were some men and they carried a paralytic to him and they removed a roof above him and and when they had made an opening, they let down a bed uh, on which the paralytic lay. Verse five, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And this is the difference between what, why we show up and why Jesus has shown up. We show up to get our junk fixed. He shows up to just heal us and to fix us in the only way that he can, and that is to offer forgiveness. What we really need oftentimes is, is something more than we're searching for. And this is what Jesus knows that we often don't, is that we have a lot bigger problems than we think we do. You see, we are only focused on the paralysis of this physical world, and he goes deeper and stronger all the way into our hearts and our minds. He says, no, that is what needs to be healed. That's the thing. And so when these men, come near to Jesus and bring these, this, this paralytic to Jesus, this is a picture for you and I, is that we don't bring our just, our just, just our brokenness. We bring our whole selves to Jesus to have him examine us. And when we get in front of Jesus, he may do more than just, than just heal your paralysis. He may do something than just mend your relationships. He may do something completely different but something that we need more than anything else. There are some places that you can take yourselves, but there's a lot more places that you need to be taken to by others. And so there's some places that you can take your, yourself, but there are other places that you need others to actually take you there for it to work. The paralytic Spiritually speaking, you know, couldn't get to Jesus on his own. This paralytic needed his four friends to take him. But when he got there, he needed Jesus to tell, her, tell him or give him a different change of perspective. What you need is more than healing. What you need is forgiveness. And so what is this forgiveness here? Uh, in in um, verse four and five, this is the, kind of the first time we actually see the word faith uh, in, in the scriptures. And when they came to him and got near to him because of the crowd, they removed the, the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on that the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, this is the first time we've seen uh, th- this word. And this is important, right? Because anytime you see something first, it's, it's significant. Anytime you see something last, that's significant. Anytime you see the same word a lot, that's significant. So it is significant that this is the first time that Jesus sees their faith and saying to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. The difference between what we want and what we really need is the fact is that we, at the end of our days, what we will be measured by is our faith. It's our faith. And that what we need at the end of the day is forgiveness more than anything else. And so um, here's some things that we know about faith, some kind of essentials that we need to understand. Is number one is that there are obstacles to our faith. So faith has essentials. And in this passage, it's, we've got two or three that just are absolutely essential when you understand faith. Number one is that there are obstacles to your faith. There will always be something in between you and kind of your faith statement. First and foremost, that there were crowds. Think about when they left their home and they, were, they thought it was just going to be an easy path to Jesus. But the first obstacle that they, they walked into was the fact that there were crowds that would not literally let them get to Jesus. The second was a roof that didn't dissuade them at all. They just tore into it and let him down, right? And so there's these obstacles to your faith that's important to, to realize. Uh, so just to pause it's for, it's for some teaching sake is in the book of Mark, there are these themes that we'll, be, we'll just be highlighting. One of those themes is the facts that, uh, that Mark really liked to talk about the crowds. More than 40 times in the book of, of Mark, these crowds are mentioned. And this idea that there's always this throng of people that are following and gathering with Jesus. However, and this is interesting to me, That when we hear and when we see crowds, more often than not, the crowds are an obstacle to faith. We look at crowds and we think, man, everything must be amazing. Everything must be going great. Well, in the book of Mark, things aren't going great when there are crowds oftentimes the crowds is what is the major distraction. Or maybe even in this passage, that the crowds is an obstacle to actual faith. So the obstacle here, maybe that you are wrapped up too much into a movement, or maybe the fact that maybe you are just born into a movement and it hasn't become your own. There's nowhere in the book of Mark where we see that the crowds, Turned and repented, or the crowds had faith in Jesus. Every time we see faith, it's not on a crowd basis, but it's on a personal basis. So the essentials to faith is one is to understand there's obstacles to it, and sometimes the fanfare. And sometimes the rah-rah can actually be something that will be a stumbling block to your personal faith. It's got to be yours. And that's why Jesus looks to the paralytic and says, your sins are forgiven. That's a remarkable moment where Jesus, teaching to the crowds, but then points to him and says, you, your sins, your particular sins have been forgiven. So faith essentials, one is that there's obstacles, but two is the idea is that it's seen and seeing and Jesus saw their faith. That's crazy. And the kind of the tradition that I grew up in is that faith was was simply believed. It was these this tenet of faith, or these bullet points that I had to memorize and to regurgitate. It looked more like a statement of faith that I had to like, like give a thumbs up for. And I'm not saying that that's not true. But the idea is that your faith can be seen by Jesus's own eyes. That's awesome. That's an amazing moment that your faith actually has to be seen. I hope that there are arrows piercing in your heart right now if you are simply just a tenant of faith, of just believing a set of beliefs. And your life looks nothing like it. The fact is that there's a roof that has a hole in it. And Jesus looks at the hole and the dirt that's falling on his head. Right? He doesn't take the dirt. and He doesn't take all of the thatched roof that's fallen on him. He doesn't take it as disrespectful at all. He looks up and he grins and he smiles. and He says, that's, that's what faith looks like. And so if it's just what you believe and you're like, I simply believe and that belief looks nothing that can be seen. I think that you need to wrestle with chapter two because the thing that, that is marked by Jesus and faith The very first time we see it, it's linked with action. It's linked with some type of faith action. We are in a Western world where we love data. We love information. We love science. We love technology. We love provable facts. We'll take all of that data And take all of that information, take all of those statistics, all of those analytics, and lay it over your heart and your mind and your faith. Is there a proverbial hole in somebody's roof because of your faith? Those are hard words. This is not faith plus works. This is just faith that's working itself out and seen with the eyeballs of Jesus. And he points and he's like, that's faith. There's obstacles to our faith, but it's actually seen, can be measured. There's dust and shingles and dirt falling on Jesus. And Jesus calls that faith. I don't know about the religious south. I don't know how that hits us who have very comfortable with the, the, the world of faith or the world view of faith. We need to think about our lives here now and wonder if there's faith in action. The second or the third thing that's the most important about faith is not that it's just action oriented, not that there's obstacles, but there actually has to be a pronouncement over you. At some point, Jesus has to speak words to you about you that were not true of you. Okay? So at the end of the day, when you're like, you know, you're, you're looking at your faith and your belief system and your whole, at some point. It's not about your words or your actions. It's actually a pronouncement of Jesus over you that sounds a little bit like this. Son, your sins are forgiven. And at the end of the day, the fact is your faith has to be a pronouncement of what Jesus says of you more than what you say of yourself. And what the paralytic may have said about himself was whole cot paralytic, right? Jesus looks at him and goes, forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. At the end of the day, at the end of your faith journey, it's not what you say about yourself. It's what Jesus has said over you. And hopefully, and hopefully in your faith journey, you will hear Jesus pronounced to the whole world, to the entire crowds. And it's awesome to me that Jesus doesn't continue to teach and preach. He just He's like, well, the crowds are no longer there. And he just continues, he stops. And he talks to the guy and he says, your sins are forgiven. That's not preaching and teaching anymore. That's personal. And so the fact is that that pronouncement has to be personal. Your sins, but you, your faith and your sins, it's gotta be personal. What's amazing about this word here is that your sins sins. That's plural. Sins in the scripture is different from the word sin. All right. Sin, S-I-N, and sins, S-I-N-S. All right. One singular, one is plural. Jesus is kind of just shifting and, and hinging on your sins. And that's different from your sin in this way. You and I, we have parents. Our first parents were Adam and Eve. They fell into sin. And from that point on, the bloodline has been tainted. So you and I, we have inherited sin because of Adam and Eve. Thanks, great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve. Thanks for the good gift, right? And so we were born, right? It's called inherited sin. Like this is what we get, is that we get sin. And so that's why we believe that no baby, even though how, how pure and beautiful and great they are, no baby is born innocent. Because even though they haven't done anything wrong, they were born as a son or a daughter of their great-great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve. And that's what's indwelling sin is, and that's why, it's, that's why it's singular. Jesus comes to conquer sin right, to die for sin, to make sure that the gap between God and man is taken care of. That's different from what's going on here. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He's looking at the paralytic as a person. And he says, you have particular sins that you have committed. These are not, this is not a generic term. This is a very specific term to him. You have committed very specific sins against me. Your sins are different from my sins. My sins are different from your sins. One theologian says the thing that is the most particular thing about you is how you sin, it's not your fingerprint. Right? It's not your retinal, retinal display. You know, that's not, even though that's particular, the thing that sets you apart from any other creation of all the other creation is how you sin particularly against God Himself. And Jesus is looking at this guy, and he's saying, All of those unique ways that you have sinned against me, those things have been forgiven really practically, as we wrap up, really, really practically, is that we all have a history of sins. And when you close your eyes, if you're like me, you sometimes just shudder when you think of those moments or you think about those words, you think about those actions, you think about those relationships. So back there, Or maybe in here, right here, there are these fence posts. There's continual reminders of how you blew it. And you look at those, and you just can't do anything but hang your head in shame. Because that thing, you can't dodge it. And here we have the savior of the world that's coming to conquer sin and death. Also look at all of those fence posts and all of those moments of shame and all those times that you have immense regret and shame and says those two. It's not just a holistic, but it's a very personal approach to salvation that you, your sins have been forgiven. Scriptures tell us that he has forgiven those sins. And he's just scattered them, you know, as far as the east is from the west. And he will remember them no more. He looks at all of the times that we blew it. He says, those places are covered and you are forgiven. This morning we wanted you to feel physically what it means to physically be healed. But more than that, for you to spiritually to feel healed, to feel forgiven. I'm going to give you some time and space to actually contemplate those fence posts, to look and maybe even shudder a little bit at those times and those places where you blew it. And with every single sin and with every season of sin and every regret for you to circle that And if you are a believer in Jesus and believe that He is more powerful than that moment or that season to say, Jesus, you have forgiven my sin. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. No pressure tactics here, but as it's quiet and everybody's praying, Uh, We've got some uh, men and women that would love to pray with you. Um, Got a prayer team in the back. And so, if you just find yourself struggling and and, and just needing someone to to pray with, maybe fight on your knees with, um, just know that uh, Bruce and Najee are back there and, and that's what they're there for is is, uh, if you just need someone to dialogue with and to pray with and maybe believe something that you can't even believe about yourself and to fight with you, just know that they're back there and they're eager to pray with you. You are Jesus Christ. fully man and fully god doing godlike things like forgiving sins Jesus thank you for healing us but i pray that this is a, a heavy morning for our church body lord that that we would all examine A faith moment for us. Are we following you out of habit? Social pressure? What we're supposed to do? Or are we following after you? Do we wanna know about you and just hear your words or do we wanna know you and get near you? If that's not true of you this morning, we'd encourage you just to simply say, Jesus Christ, I cry out to you for you crouth for you for forgiveness. And the second thing for us to just contemplate are those things that have separated you f- from the Lord that uh, you think are, you know, just uh, just too big or too gross or too terrible to bridge the gap between you and Jesus. Just let him do the speaking this morning. Let him be the pronouncement over you that your sins, even the ugly ones, even the most shameful ones, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus' sons and daughters, your sins, your particular sins have been forgiven. Receive that gift this morning. Receive the gift of forgiveness this morning. Jesus, I pray that um, our hearts and our minds are beginning to sh- be reset and focus on you and your goodness. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And speaking of resetting our mind and putting our mind or setting our minds on the things above, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me until I come back. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that one day he will come back to deliver us. Before he died on the cross, uh, Jesus had this, this meal before him and he said um, he took a piece of bread, bread and he, he took it and he broke it. And he says, this is my body given for you. Something that was once whole has to be broken for you. And then he took a chalice of wine and he says, your sins are forgiven Not by anything that you do, but by the shedding of my blood. There will be forgiveness of sin. And so this morning, as you approach the table, approach it as a forgiven person, of someone who would willingly do this so that that you would be able to feel, right, at, you know, closeness, in proximity with him. It's nothing that you have done. It's everything that he's done. Allow him to have this pronouncement over you this morning. And so that's why we take this meal, to remind ourselves to do this in remembrance of me, to remind ourselves it was his body, it was his blood, not ours. We get the gift, we gain the reward because of what he's done for us. There's men in the back and around the the room and uh, they are here to serve you. Um, if you do want someone to pray with you, again, in the back, we've, we've got uh, Bruce and Naji back there that are willing to pray. So if this is an easier time for, for you to get up, then just know that they are there and would, would love to pray with you. So why don't you stand and take this meal uh, whenever uh, whenever you're led.